Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. This classic edition is sponsored by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. We hope you enjoy this session recorded several years ago at the Molin Studio in Franklin, Tennessee. This is In the Studio with Michael Card and Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to this week's edition of the program. Yes, Michael is going to sing El Shaddai oh, today yeah. in the studio. Oh, we'll all be looking forward to that. <laughs> we are, really. <laughs> we'll do that here in just a moment, Michael. Also, our conversational partners who join us today, Dr. Larry Crabb. Yes, and this is our second uh, time to be with him and talking about his new book about prayer. We'll continue that with Larry today in the program. Kay Eves will be here helping us deal with grief. Kay has experienced grief of her own and uh, the loss of her husband, John. Who's a good friend of yeah. this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's... And Kay is a is a wonderfully compassionate, very articulate uh, lady, so it's going to be good to spend some time with her. We are grateful for the email that we get here to the program. Some of it just says thank you. Others of you ask questions, and once in a while, one comes along that really grabs our attention. Yeah. And this one from John did just that. Uh, John writes and thanks you for your teaching, Michael, on the radio broadcast and your book of Sacred Sorrow. And then he says, I came to the conclusion a short while ago that religion is a matter of presenting to God what you think he would be happy with. Mm-hmm. That's why people practice religion and they go to great lengths to please God and thus receive a blessing. Mm-hmm. You want to pick it up from there? Yeah, he said, reading about lament made me realize that much of my faith is really religion. Uh, so often in my prayers, I've tried to give him what I think he wants. And yet inwardly in my heart, I'm burning, resentful, and angry with him. Uh, and that that's, that's such a wonderful way of putting it, John. Uh, so much of my faith is really religion. And obviously, there's a degree to which we, we do want to give God what he wants, and we're trying to please him. But uh, that's not all, all there is. I mean, there's, there's the relationship, and part of being in relationship, Wayne, is when I'm hurting, I, I tell you, and you're glad that I tell you mm-hmm. I'm hurting, and I'm glad to hear what you're struggling it's honesty, with. honesty, honest, open relationship. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and that's the kind of relationship God is inviting us into. Tell mm-hmm. me, you know, cast your burdens, cast your cares, your burdens on me, because I care for you. John says he's in China now, returning to Germany, but when he goes back to Germany, he's uh, facing a tough situation. He says, I feel a new motivation to cry out to God, lay a hold of him, and say, how long, Lord? How long? He says, your teaching, Michael, has helped me along the way enormously. So we That's great we do encourage each other, don't we? Yes, absolutely. So, John, and thank you. Yeah, thank you, John, for, for sharing from your heart. And, and we'll be praying that when you, when you come back, that uh, God will be unusually present in that situation in Germany. In a moment, Larry Crabb will join us here in the studio in the chair. But uh, as promised, Michael sings for us right now, El Shaddai. El Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai Age to age you're still the same By the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Erechim Kana Adonai We will praise and lift you Son of Abraham, and by the power of your hand, turn the sea into dry land, and to the outcast on her knees, you were the God who really sees, and by your might you set your children free. Shaddai, El Elyonah Adonai, age to age you're still the same, by the power of the name, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Erechim Kana Adonai, we will praise and lift you 
time of Christ was near Though the people could not see What Messiah ought to be Though your word contained the plan They just could not understand Your most awesome work was done Through the frailty of your Son El Shaddai, El Shaddai Mike, as you're singing, I'm just sitting here thinking about the fact that that song is known the world over. God has really used that in so many it's ways. An old song. Yeah. In my life as well. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Larry Crabb, welcome back. Great to be with you. Our second conversation about Larry's book, The Popper Prayer, but you uh, you talk about coming to God with a lack of pretense. That's really yes. step number one, exactly. isn't it? Is, exactly. Coming as we are, acknowledging as, as fearful as we can be, looking at ourselves well, that way. Well, the stupidest thing in the world... Let's just forget about sin or faith. The stupidest thing in the world is trying to hide something from someone who's omniscient. <laughs> Leave it to Mike. No, I mean, right, I mean, is that that's not rocket science? He, one of the one of the things Lewis says he says that prayer is taking part in the process of being known. It isn't a, it isn't a question of God is informed when we tell him where we are. Uh-huh. It isn't God saying, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know that." <laughs> You know, he always knows where we are. But when I take, when, when when I let him know where I am, not that he learns anything, but there's an intimacy that develops when I take off all the pretense and acknowledge I'm in a bad mood. I'm not even crazy about you this morning. I have a headache, I, or I'm feeling great. I'm so blessed. I'm so happy in Christ. Whatever, the whole gamut. But just be exactly where you are. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you." And the way Peterson finishes that passage, he says, and when you come to me, I will teach you to live in the, in the rhythms of the unforced rhythms of grace. I mean, is that possible? Could I, could I actually live there? I think I've tasted that a time or two. But, man, I'd like that as a norm. How do you stay there? Yeah. And, uh, Mike, you were telling a story about uh, how this affected you one time. Well, I think a big part of this uh, approach to prayer, as I understand it, is, is listening. It's not just coming to God and asking for things, but it's this idea of li- actually Wow, it's, you mean it's really a two-way conversation? I mean, I actually listen and God communicates to me. And um, the story I was sharing was uh, based on this idea that the best way to show someone you love them is to listen to them. If you really want to show God how much you love if you want to show your wife how much you love her, you listen to her, right? Mm-hmm. You want to show your kids how much you love them, you listen to them. You want to show God how much you love him, you listen to him. And and my Larry Crabb story was that, I don't know how many years ago, it was five, six years ago, I was playing someplace in around the Colorado Springs area. I don't know where I was emotionally, probably maybe a little tired, but I, I sit I sat down to play and then three rows back, right in the middle, I see Larry Crabb sitting there. And I started to cry. And I realized it was this I realized that someone I knew someone there was listening to me. It was I knew Larry was listening. I knew he was getting it. Hmm. And that that kind of response to of finally feeling listened to, you know, by someone who was getting it, and maybe that's part of what God feels when we fi- we finally shut up and listen. <laughs> you know, maybe He's finally yeah. getting this. Oh, and I think it brings Him such joy. Yeah, I'm not sure if He cries. Maybe He does, yeah. but just the joy of my my kids listening to me. Huh. Yeah. Before we before we advance our conversation, let's build on where we were last week. Talk about this coming to God. Uh, looking at how how we're made up and coming with a lack of pretense to God. We're looking together at Psalm 131 in between our conversations here. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, that, that, that is resting, isn't it? And that comes mighty close to all that I'm trying to think about and trying to get closer to, to, to come before God without trying to make something happen, but that the core of my being, I'd like to know him better as opposed to get him to cooperate with my agenda. Mm-hmm. 
and to be very quiet about that, trusting that maybe he, his agenda is always better than mine, and that can let me relax and rest a little bit. So you're like a weaned child. That is, you've, you've had all the nourishment. Right. But mm. you're just being sort of held in his arms. And just enjoying the, now, euphoria. the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Larry, you've written the Papa Prayer. We didn't mention last time that Papa actually is an acronym. Yeah, P-A-P-A. And it's just my rather humble effort to... Uh, to see if I can't get a hold of what it means to relate to God in prayer. Because prayer to me has much more to do with relating to God than asking him for things. And so PAPA becomes an acronym of uh, how to relate to, to anybody. And to relate to God is no different than relating to anybody else in some, in some measures at least. P stands for present. Don't pretend, but present yourself as you are. A stands for attend. And that's all I mean by that is who do you think you're talking to when you talk to God? Think you're talking to some, uh, you know, cosmic deity who's not terribly interested. You think you're talking to, kind of a, a good buddy who's just walking along and doing whatever he wants you to, whatever you want us want him to do for you. And we're going to focus on that today well, yeah, here, exactly. Or someone who's just kind of irritated. Yeah, that's my <laughs> exactly. My, my my I gravitate towards. He's just kind of mad at me today. Yeah, so. here I come, God. Oh, not you again. Yeah, I'll do this for you if you won't be mad at me. Yeah, so. please, please be nice yeah. to me today. And the third letter P P A P, and the third letter P is purge. And all I mean by that is what is right now interfering with my intimacy with God? You know, there's times that Rachel and I have our tensions and, and I have to ask myself, all right, what, what, am, what am I doing to mess up our relationship? What am I, where am I putting somebody ahead of her? Where am I listening to somebody else more than I'm listening to her? So purge. And the last letter then is A. Once you've presented, attended, and purged, then maybe you can approach. And the Hebrews passage which talks about we can, we can walk up boldly to get whatever God wants to give us. Whatever we need for us to accomplish his purposes, he'll give. So that's it. Present, attend, purge, and approach. Mm. Last week, we talked about the present part. Mm-hmm. Today, we want to talk about the attend part. What do we think about God? Yeah. Who is who is he? Who is this God? And Mike, I love your thought about this. Sometimes I, <laughs> my mind didn't go there immediately, but once you say it, my mind is there, uh, that I come to God with a feeling of that I do enough to get you off my back, mm-hmm. that I do enough to get you to like me. Am I being a good boy, Daddy? Yeah, he's just not pleased. No. That's why when you will say earlier in our conversation, you talked about how he, he really enjoys being with us. Yeah. And I, my first question, do you really think that, I mean, is that really possible? That what he, a, oh, one of my favorite passages is Zechariah 3, where, where Joshua the high priest is standing in the presence of God and he's dressed in these filthy garments. Mm-hmm. And you know what the word for filth is there? I hope this is okay to say. I mean, it's within the scriptures, so I guess sure. it is. It is literally human excrement. Mm. Here's this guy standing as, as, as attractive as an unflushed toilet. Mm. And, and Satan is saying, you're going to look at him? Mm. And, and God says, I resist you, Satan. Take off those filthy garments and put the turban on his head, the high priest turban that says holiness to the Lord. Mm. You know, that's my kid. That's my boy, mm. and I love that guy. Does he smell bad? Not any longer because he's dressed in the robes of righteousness now. So, mm. yeah, so God is God is not looking down at me with disgust. He's looking, you know, the Zephaniah 3 passage about singing over me with delight. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are not just happy verses. There's truth to that. Mm. Uh, so I wonder if most of the time then, at least when he looks at me, he's maybe a little bit sad because I'm not getting it, because yeah. I'm not opening Yeah. Um, I use my mother as an example a lot. My mother has the gift of hospitality, and and she thinks she is her gift. And so when you come to our house, she, there's always a casserole between you and her. She's always trying to give give <laughs> yeah, you. And yeah, yeah. and I think it's because she thinks she there's nothing about her that mm, anybody would really like. Uh, and I, I relate to that in my relationship with God. I'm always saying, okay, yeah. I did this for you or right. whatever. And uh, And what a freeing thing it would be to think that he really does care about I can't believe I'm saying this. Yeah. He really does care about me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that is a rather radical thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then we fall off the other side. You know, Luther describes a Christian life as a drunk riding a horse. You fall off one side, then you fall off the other. Uh-huh. And one side is, you know, falling off. You don't really like me, do you? But then the other side is, well, you owe me something. Uh-huh. Mm. Aren't you lucky that I'm here? Aren't you lucky I'm here? I'm your kid, <laughs> and uh, now that I'm the king's kid, I can come to you and I can petition mm-hmm. all sorts of things with a spirit of entitlement. Mm-hmm. And then the word petition somehow becomes demand. And the whole idea that, that we're, we're just able to come to God as a divine vending machine and put in enough quarters, we get the candy bars you want. And that's the other mistake we make. Mm. As opposed to coming to God, he's the sovereign God who just happens to be a loving father. Mm. Um, mm. So there are both sides to that that need to be thought about. Mm. Where do we get the picture? The, the word. We turn to the word to get this picture of, of who God is, oh, yeah. obviously. 
uh, you know, one, one of the biggest pictures to me in the scriptures, um, I think it's the only place in the Bible that gives us a picture of what Jesus is like right now. We go to the Gospels and we see all the pictures of Jesus. And of course, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. So whatever he was in the Gospels, he is today, obviously. But who is he right now? The only place where he's revealed the way he exists now in our presence is in Revelation 1. In Revelation 1, he's got eyes of burning fire. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got all kinds of things going on. And, and um, you know, out of his mouth has come a sword. And the sword, the word for sword there is kind of that sharp little curved dagger for upfront conflict. And it's like, come to me, Hmm. come to me with burning eyes and a sword coming out of my mouth. Doesn't sound too approachable. Doesn't sound too approachable. Uh, Mike, you've Mm -hmm. got that passage right there, right? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at uh, verse 10 of of Revelation 1. well, it actually is a little farther, a little farther down that that discussion starts. It says, um, I turned and I saw the seven golden lampstands and among the lampstand was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. That's kind of hard to approach. It really is. And, but there's some really beautiful elements in there where it says that the sash around his, uh, his, his cloak was around his chest. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think what that meant? I mean, the, the sash is like a belt. Where do you wear your belt? Around your chest or around your waist? Mm-hmm. And this guy's, the, the Lord's belt was around his chest. And the idea was back in those days, you would put your belt around your waist when you were working hmm. to keep your, the, the skirts essentially, the robes from getting in the way of your work. But when the work was done, you'd put the belt around your chest. Hmm. And the Lord is saying, you know, the, the work is uh, done. Wow. The work is all done. And uh, you're forgiven. You're mine. And now the all that I am is really here to be with you. And when John fell at his feet, the Lord touches him and says, no, don't be afraid of me. Stand up. Mm-hmm. So it's really quite a picture of who this, who it is we're attending to. We're attending to the mighty God of the universe who has his agenda, who um, can see everything with his burning eyes. Mm-hmm. But he ends up saying that, the, you know, the, the, the Lord bless you. Mm-hmm. The Lord keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. And you end up realizing, I get to talk to him. It's interesting, all through the Gospels, whenever Jesus reveals himself in a new way, he always has to say, don't be afraid. When yes. he walks on the sea, the transfiguration, uh, he's constantly saying, but it's almost like he's revealed himself in a new way, and he's still saying, don't, don't be, afraid. be afraid. No fear. No and I'm fear. afraid a lot of our culture is, is getting us to not be afraid for the wrong reason, hmm. that he's not quite this majestic God, but he really is the divine vending machine, one of my favorite little phrases, mm-hmm. that he really is just a, a very hospitable, nice sort of a fella that... We come up and say, hey, you know, how about this? And he says, sure, fine. He's a lot more like Lewis's lion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's he's, exactly what he's he is. dangerous. Safe but not tame. Yeah, safe but not tame. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Larry, talking about um, attending to God, a view of who God really is. Who is this God that we're uh, uh, approaching in mm-hmm. prayer? Mm-hmm. But there's also an element you write about is is he has shown himself faithful to me in the past. We need to think about how he's shown himself to us. Yeah, absolutely. We need to look back on and see what he's done through the, all the scriptures as well as our own experience. And there's a, there's a real part of, of that that, uh, that intrigues me. When I think about, about what, he's, what he's done, what he's doing, what he yet will do, you know the central image that comes to my mind is um, he's, he's, he's a small group. You know, he's, he's a trinity of three persons. And as I think I said this to you guys off the air, it occurs to me that he's the only small group in the history of time that's gotten along really well. <laughs> and he's actually invited us to join the group. And um, that doesn't mean we're going to become God, but we're going to be part of the group. We have fellowship with him. We're going to have fellowship yeah. with the Father, with the Son, by the Spirit. And when I attend to God, what I picture is here's this trinity of persons. And people talk about uh, the old theologians used to talk about uh, God, God being an eternal dance. The way they relate is a perfect rhythmic dance, you know. And he's inviting me to dance with the Trinity. And he's teaching me some dance lessons now. And he's got a klutz for a child here who steps on feet and doesn't know how to move the rhythm very well. But he's, um, I'm, I'm attending to a God who is inviting me into the dance. And that kind of excites me that I can dance with God as I relate to my wife. I can dance with God as I parent my kids. My kids are older now, but they still need parenting. I can, <laughs> But I can dance with God as I preach. I can dance with God with whatever. And, and, and when I realize that he's a God who's inviting me to the party, that, um, that, 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 that warms my heart just a little bit. Mm. There are all kinds of dances, though. There are 
joyful dances and there are dances mm. that express i mean is that oh yeah is that true oh yeah absolutely there's the dance of lament as uh, mm-hmm. as you brought to our attention in all sorts of powerful ways which i really really appreciate yeah dancing is not just a just uh gee i feel great this is fun turn the music up louder and let me move a little faster mm-hmm. there are there 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 are dances and the rhythm of what god is up to mm-hmm. and given what he's up to um with the way we are sometimes the dance can be pretty painful sometimes it can be the dance of darkness there are some difficult dance steps that we need to learn. And one of our favorite writers that we share, Brueggemann, talks about mm-hmm. lament as this dance where God is committed to not not leave the dance floor until the music is over. Uh, that we wrestle and we we yeah. keep the dance going until until it's done. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get us in, into that. He's going to get us moving. Uh, Brueggemann has a great line in his book on Genesis where he says, "We live now in the tension between anguish and hope." Hmm. Hmm. That uh, it can be pretty tough down here. And, uh, and yet the hope is, is very real. And so dancing now is not always just a piece of cake. But uh, the day will come when it's going to be wonderful. But you don't do it alone. <laughs> you're, you well, have a dance, someone you're dancing with. Modern or... culture does it alone, but yeah. I think that's making a mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is a part. You're missing the best part. You're missing you... the best part. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You want to touch while you're dancing. Yeah. I took dance lessons years ago. Uh-huh. I literally did. Uh, Rachel, when we were dating back in this, goes back 100 so years ago. So you just did that because y'all were dating and she wanted you to? <laughs> she be wanted me to take her to the to a dance at her college, uh-huh. and I was raised so you didn't didn't do the dancing yeah, thing. Right. So I had dancing no foot and a praying knee can't be on the same leg. That's it. <laughs> I've heard that one before, and I, I I saw in the paper an ad for Arthur Murray Dance Studios, ten bucks oh, for man. five lessons, and I literally snuck out. My parents didn't know uh-huh. to this day. Of course, they're in heaven now. They're probably listening to this and saying, "You did what?" <laughs> but I stuck off to Arthur Murray Dance Studio, and this is a totally true story. We have time to tell us. Oh, quick? absolutely. Yeah. We'll I, make time for this one. <laughs> I walked into the studio, and it was a room the size of a basketball court, and there was nobody in it, but a twenty-five-year-old lovely young lady, and her name was Tish. Uh-huh. And I was 18, no, I was 19 years old, maybe, and I walked into this room to have my first dance lesson ever. And she went over and turned on the Victrola. This was some years ago. And I uh, walked over to her, and, and she said, all right, put your arm, you know, around my waist, and uh-huh. hold my hand out here. And, and I remember saying, this is a true story. I said, uh, well, I was supposed to lead, right? And she said, well, yeah. And I said, do I just say back up, do I move left? How do I get you to move like I want you to? And her words, and forgive me for this, but these were literally her words. She said, you lead with your tummy. And when I heard that, I was so terrified, I walked out and never came back. (laughs) And I think God's inviting us to experience that level of intimacy that I was terrified of. Wow. 50 years ago, whatever it was. Wow. I think he's inviting us to a level of intimacy because this this God we're attending to is the almighty, sovereign, omnipotent God of the universe who reveals himself in Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and all of it's terrifying. But he wants us to be intimate with him, mm. and he wants us to sense his presence. He wants us to know who he is, and to, if leading with the tummy is not too irreverent, there's something intimate about that. Well, and, and, and to, in a sense, live out something that is already a reality, which is the presence of his spirit in us. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any more intimate than that. That's exactly right. He's already there. Sometimes yeah. I don't... Uh, the, the 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 actual physical reality of the fact that I'm indwelled. I mean, you're indwelled. I mean, I can reach across and pat you, yeah. and that there is a spill, spirit that indwells you. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Oh, you're out of my league. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. It, there's something so so penetrating about that. Yeah, I mean, the, if if touching the Ark of the Covenant was a big deal because yeah. God's spirit was in it, you know, we got Pentecost, we've got all we've all got tongues of fire over it. We're all tabernacles in one sense now. That's I don't I don't think about that enough. And I want to learn to pray in such a way that that becomes more than mere theology. <sighs> mm-hmm. I believe it. The theology is right and mm-hmm. true and good, but man, I want that to be to be practiced theology. Mm-hmm. Embrace theology that God is literally in me. And he can lead with that level of intimacy as I relate to my wife and my ministry and everything else mm-hmm. that I do. You're helping us get there, Larry. You really are. And your book helps us get there, The Popper Prayer. I want you to just mention very briefly what's next. It doesn't sound very pleasant. Purging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, purging. Well, there's, in our culture, that means a lot of things, I guess. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is what is getting in the way of the kind of intimacy that I long to have with God? He longs to be intimate with me. I long to be intimate with him. And if I'm not as intimate as I want, then it's got to be me, not him. And what is it? And that's purging. To okay. identify, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. That really would be the key passage to describe purging. Michael, we're going to ask you to sing before we move any further here to the program today. And we talk about getting to know who 
God is, Worthy is the Lamb, I think, is the perfect song to ask you to sing here in the studio. Joined by percussionist Ken Lewis, Michael Card in the studio. I wept for none was worthy to open the scroll Or to look upon what it contained Then a voice said, see the lion of the tribe of Judah So I looked to the lion but saw a lamb that was slain song of worship to bring this half of the program to a close here in the studio. We're always glad to read your reactions to this program. You can send your comments and song requests or questions to us when you write to in the studio at michaelcard.com. Look forward to reading what you have to say. Again, in the studio at michaelcard.com. We hope you'll post a review and invite a friend to find this podcast on Apple or Spotify by searching for Michael Card. And we're glad to announce that Michael's latest book, The Nazarene, 40 Devotions on the Lyrical Life of Jesus, is available to order on our website. Find out more about this companion resource at michaelcard.com. michaelcard.com. Coming up, a conversation with Kay Eaves and more music after this message here in the studio with Michael Card. Here's Michael with a word about the Christian Standard Bible. I'm glad we're partnering with the ZSB. I got to see firsthand the way godly scholars work together on this Bible translation. Now I get to use the CSB in my study and teaching. There's so many types of editions available. I hope you'll find one that will help you get serious about reading God's Word. Visit csbible.com and explore the variety of options available to get this fresh translation into your hands. And when you order, receive your 30% discount on a CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount. The Christian Standard Bible. A great translation, a great selection, and now a great discount. Find a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. Type in the studio without spaces in the promotion code to receive the 30% discount when placing your order with LifeWay. Again, visit csbible.com. And welcome back into the studio with Michael Card. Kay Eves will join us in a moment dealing with grief. Yes, she's been processing uh, this since uh, John, her husband, died, who was a friend of all of us. Uh, and I'm anxious to hear what, uh, what she's come up with. Just before Kay comes, though, I'm going to ask you to sing a song, Older Than the Rain. Dark 
darkening garden was still Unwet by all the tears of the sky Within the grip of that disobedient bite Came all the tears the fallen world would cry The unwelcomed wetness they never had felt Coursed down their fallen faces in surprise The only life they ever knew Was a clear and fallen sky For he had not intended That we should ever need to cry Falling tears from fallen eyes Our faces with an unaccustomed stain we were driven from the garden Beneath a cloudless sky For human tears are older than the rain Human tears are older than the rain From that place of presence and peace To stumble all alone This long lamenting race From the deepest, darkest shadows He joins us in this place And we recognize our bitter tears Upon his perfect face Falling tears from fallen eyes our faces with an unaccustomed stain We were driven from the garden Beneath a cloudless sky For human tears are older than the rain Human tears are older than the rain Thank you, Michael, the song Older Than the Rain. Well, we said, it's been now a few weeks that we're going to have Kay Eves join us yes. again on the program. It took us a while, but Kay is back today. It's good to have you. Thanks for thanks for coming. Thanks. It's yeah. great to be here. Kay, I'm not sure what you think about coming to the studio sometimes. We, we, you know, we've said this to listeners before, what happens off mic is so much fun, and there's yeah. community here in the studio. Sure. That's what it's all about. Sure, and it's it's a little bit of a guy club, so <laughs> we, we've taught you the secret handshake. You're in the clubhouse <laughs> with the rest of us. Now, we trust you. That, well, you uh, know, I have three sons, oh, so I'm, okay. I'm used to the guy yeah. club <laughs> things. Right. Gotcha. That's why you fit in so well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Kay, last time you were here, we were talking about facing grief, and this is something that you had to do when your husband, John, passed away. And uh, John was how old? 40? He was 50. 50, was he? Okay. Wow. Exactly. All right. And that happened, uh, what, a couple years ago now? It's been three years. Three Has it been that long? Okay. Well, we want to pick up this uh, the idea of facing grief again here today, Michael. Yeah, we're coming close to the holidays, and uh, this is a, a, a very hard time, obviously, for for a lot of families who've experienced loss of a loved one, and, and for people who are alone, I think especially, it's a hard time. It is, and, and I guess for our family, we realize that all of our family traditions changed. This may not happen in every family, mm. but we just found that most everything we had done in the past didn't work for us because we missed John too much. Mm. In the, in the familiar things. And so we've had to spend the last three years recreate, or creating mm-hmm. new ways of relating to each other as a family hmm. and building new traditions. And that's, that's just our family. That's part of what it means by grieving, right? It is. It is. And, and that sense of loss at the holidays. So although I'll have to say that my experience is that um, the holidays are not necessarily worse because there are a lot of things happening. And you, for someone like me, whose children are gone from home, Actually, it's a great family time, and we're all back together again. Yeah. So sometimes I find that every day is more difficult than the holidays. The in-between times. That's right. Hmm. Last time you are here, we touched on this, but I'd like to develop it further with Kay about how we minimize grief as Christians. I know you have a lot of thoughts about this, Kay. <laughs> I do, mostly because I was surprised myself. I, I think I had 
come into maybe some faulty thinking um, on my own and and maybe through teaching I had. But what I realized through my own grief is that uh, I have to suffer. I have to suffer if I truly want to understand life and understand what Jesus suffered. And if I don't suffer, I may not believe that Jesus, who was man and God, truly suffered on the cross. But hmm. but I believe he did suffer on the cross. And in hmm. that way, if my grief were minimized now, I might minimize the grief that Jesus experienced on the cross. Well, Bonhoeffer said that Christianity without suffering is, is Christianity without the cross. And I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I think we, it, I mean, there are many verses in the New Testament that tell us that we will share in his suffering. Mm-hmm. But somehow, I think we think that means that, yes, bad things may happen to us, but we won't really feel it. Mm-hmm. But we do really feel it. And I think we have to, to truly understand what Jesus felt uh, in his life here on earth. Well, when your husband died, how did you embrace the suffering then? I mean, all of us would want to turn around and go the other direction. I had no choice. I mean, the suffering suffering and grief consumes you. And mm. so I just lived it. And um, the one thing, I, I guess I've been a Christian long enough and I'm old enough that I didn't feel I was wrong. I, I had enough understanding mm-hmm. of my faith to, to know that it wasn't because I was a sinner and it wasn't because I wasn't thinking correctly about God. But in my own personal experience, I had the silence of God. When John died, I had at least a year where... I felt I heard nothing from God and experienced Mm. no comfort and no peace. And as a matter of fact, I thought that peace and comfort in uh, bad circumstances were non-negotiables. I I thought, of course, as a Christian, Mm. we're going to have peace. We're going to rest in the Lord in these uh, times. At least I'm supposed to. We're supposed to, but um, God didn't work in my experience that way. And so I've had to deal with that, but I... I still feel like it was a way that he wanted to communicate to me and let me feel um, the pain in the world. Well, when did that uh, turn? Did, did a turn happen where you experienced the presence of God more? At, in, starting in the second year, um, what, the way I explain it, I use also, I, I use Job, but I also use Jesus' experience in the wilderness where a lot of times we say that it's in the wilderness where we meet God. Mm-hmm. But what I came to understand about Jesus' wilderness experience is that it's actually in the can be in the wilderness where God does not speak, hmm. but we speak the words of God. Hmm. And so what I came to understand is that first year for me was a time when God did not speak, but I had to speak the words that I knew of God and confess those and hold on to those. All right. I, I want to just, I know you have a question or yeah. comment, Michael, but I just got to stop right here because... You've had a life of the Word of God being invested in you. I mean, you've pursued that, so you stored that up in a sense, right? That's right. And that you were drawing on that deep reserve is what was happening. I was, and and I continued to read um, daily the Bible. Every day I would read just trying to keep feeding myself because my experience was so different than what I expected and different mm. than what I read in the Bible even sometimes. Mm. So uh, I had to keep feeding mm. It makes you wonder when we see people, believers, sort of fall apart at times when they go through what Kay has gone through. Yeah. You wonder if, if the foundation was there to begin with. Yeah. I could have fallen apart, though. Yeah, I don't think... I, don't, <laughs> I think maybe I did, but yeah. I don't think there's any way to, to tell who's... There's not. Yeah. There's not. But, but you do have to draw on what you knew before, and I mm-hmm. think that's yeah. critical. So mm-hmm. if you're not, if we're not in hard times, we really need to be feeding on the Word of the Lord and praying and uh, taking counsel from other Christians. And uh, and then you use that. Because sometimes, like for me, when I was in that period of grief, I couldn't really take a lot of counsel from Christians. Yeah. And, and and I read the Bible by faith, but I wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really speaking to me. Yeah. But I just kept going on what I had before. But in the wilderness, uh, when you had the, the, the experience of, because that's what the, the, limit, the lament, lament psalms are. We mm-hmm. sort of talk talk back, say back to God these words that he gives us, mm-hmm. did you? Did they become your own? I mean, they must have become your own in a way they never were before. They became my own. And, and of course, my confession was always um, that where would I go? I was never tempted to leave the presence of the Lord because yeah. 
I know I don't want to be anywhere else. I'd rather be sad and mm-hmm. totally grieved in the presence of the Lord than than be out of the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I was never going to go anywhere, but but I was just trying to understand. So yes, the laments uh, became a real part of my life, and the Psalms. Um, I fed on those psalms where you're crying out um, that your soul is downcast. And and then I would confess that I, I know God is good and I know he's delivered me in the past. But in that moment of pain, you just okay. have to hold on. But it's kind of by your fingernails, you mm. know, you can yeah. hear them scraping as <laughs> you slide. Mm. <laughs> of course, we know if we have the Lord, that's enough. And, and you have to go through this yourself with yeah. him. But what part did others play? Well, we trust and we believe and we hope that it's enough. I don't know if you can say you know. Can you say mm. you know? I knew um, by faith that it was enough. Yeah. And I knew that by faith, um, you know, we are strangers here in this strange land. And so ultimately our home is with the Lord. And, and so I knew that. And I held on to that. Heaven mm-hmm. became much more important to me. I still is to this mm-hmm. day through this process that I'm looking to the land where I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord for eternity mm. in a way that I never did before. Um, and I think that's good, actually. I think sometimes as Americans, we don't have as strong a sense of eternity because we're fairly comfortable here and now. And um, I, But I think we need that sense of well, we don't really belong here. We, we really belong with the Lord. It's almost in maybe two generations, I think the church went, went from being so heavenly minded, there were no earthly good, and all the songs were about heaven, <laughs> to, to the point where now, it's like you say, we're so comfortable with it the way it is. We're even embarrassed sometimes to talk about the fact that we would look toward heaven yeah. or Because it sounds like life. escapism. Naive. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, Before we began the conversation, off mic, we were talking about that passage in Corinthians. You have it open right there, yeah, Michael. Yeah, let me, let me read it. Uh, this is uh, first, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, Paul says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And that's my experience now. It was not my experience uh, immediately, I mean, for probably the first 18 months after John's death. Timing is of the Lord. Timing is of the Lord. And also, I think it's really important that we not put pressure on Christians to speak victory Uh, in difficult circumstances. And there's a lot of pressure. Um, I personally didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't want to be a cynic. I Mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was cynical, but I felt like I wasn't going to be able to say the positive words that people wanted me to say. Did you find that people were coming to you to be comforted for John? Yes, and I quickly... Realized I cannot do that. I I Mm. couldn't. And I think maybe people understood that I wasn't going to be able to bear their grief Mm. as well as my own. I think even my children and I came to a point where we realized we each had to bear our own. Not that we weren't willing to carry each other, but we just realized we couldn't. Mm Uh, the sorrow, the sorrow of my son seeing me, and and being in sorrow, and then that made them feel bad, and so I we just realized no, we each kind of have to carry our own at that point. But certainly now, I believe I can comfort others yeah. with the comfort that God gave me, and the wisdom that God gave me through this experience. Yeah. You're uniquely qualified. That's the, the phrase that Bill used to use all the time. You're uniquely qualified, and. Mm-hmm. Probably rather not be. I was going to say well, something you'd rather not be. <laughs> paid a pretty high price for yeah. that. But God uses everything. That's the he good does. news. He uses everything, he most especially suffering. I mean, He used suffering to save the world. That's right. So He's got a purpose right. for suffering. Well, as we said earlier, here we are just before the holidays, and we have the situation you talked about, where for some it's easier, but for others it is hard. It is, and I think we should be sensitive to one another, um, especially those who are alone. You should really, the church should really be looking out for those who may be lonely or alone on Christmas and uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving or uh, any of those holidays that are so uh, much a part of the American culture and emotionally and, laden and already. Emotionally laden, and so really, as a church, we should be looking for those who are alone and mm. and who need our help. I've got an idea. Um, 
owing to the fact that you are uniquely qualified, regrettably. So would you like to pray for those people right now who are listening, who are going into the holidays and maybe in that same place? I would love to. Thanks. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence with us now, and I thank you that you look upon the brokenhearted and that you look on those who are grieving and sad and who are looking ahead at the holidays and maybe with fear and trembling as they wonder how they will survive and and what will they do without their loved one. Lord, I pray that you will give them grace in these days, that you will heal their a broken heart, that you will give them cause for joy, that you will give them patience and endurance to make it through each day of the holidays. And I pray that um, they will grow in you and they will come to understand you as the Savior who suffered and who uh, shed tears just as they cry. Uh, and so he knows what they've experienced because our God chose to be a man and to live as we do. And so we pray that we will all experience that through these days in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Kay, you're always welcome here. Thank you. Michael, when we opened the program today, we had that email from John. Here's another one from Chris who says, I've really been struggling lately in my spiritual life, having become very disillusioned and cynical. My church is more interested in criticizing my generation, postmodern, rather than seeking how to reach us and meet our needs. There's only room for my abilities as an artist if it involves decorating the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a powerful statement. Yeah, yeah Wayne, there you see the t- sensitivity. Uh, she's an artist, and her antenna are sensitive mm-hmm. uh, to that kind of criticism. She says, in fact, your book, Scribbling in the Sand, and your podcast is why I get together with two other friends and fellow artists, Christians at work for a unique type of Bible study. We get together every four to five weeks and talk about what God has been doing in our lives, mm-hmm. how he's used the study of your book to draw our attention back to him and the creative gifts he's given to us and to do something small that is creative. Mm. It's, a, it's a wonderful note from Chris. Yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that uh, frustration. And I think you have to believe and trust that God has given you a gift and there's a purpose for it and he's going to help you find a way to use it. One more, and then we'll ask you to sing a final song on the program here today. This actually is an eQuest song coming uh-huh. up, and I have the request right in front of me here from Elise, who says, I would love it, Michael, if you would explain what your song, When a Window is a Mirror, means. Hmm. It seems like you might be talking about your son, but it isn't quite clear to me. You mentioned Albert in the opening line to the yes. song. Uh huh. Well, not my literal son, but certainly my son in the faith. Uh, Albert Moss uh, was a young man in our our community who um, uh, had Down syndrome, and I, from the time he was born, he was you know part of our community. And um, this was song was written several years ago. Albert is is a grown grown man now. He's a he's a big big kid now. Um, but I was trying to process his whole situation and understanding how is it that this kid who is uh, severely down, severely affected by Down syndrome. Uh, how is it that he's such a blessing to our church? And yeah. and uh, um, and so what I realized was there's this image of when you look through a window, if the light's just right, it's also a mirror. You can look through and see the world outside, but you can also see yourself reflected back in the glass. And that uh, that's really what Albert was uh, through his life as he grew and we saw him developing into a, a, a young person. We could look through his life and see the world in a completely different way, mm-hmm. a very innocent way. But then we'd also see ourselves reflected back because each one of us has a handicap. Yeah. And I think Albert would help us to see you know, how, uh, for example, someone like me, how selfish I am, how self-centered I am. And Albert revealed all that stuff. So he was a wonderful uh, asset to our community. It's all too common that we miss what God has to teach us through people who have special needs. Even. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have to see that they are, they are gifts to us. Yeah. And, uh, All right. Well, Elise, thank you for asking for yeah. this song. I, I don't remember ever having this song requested before. No, I don't, I don't think so. When a Window is a Mirror. Michael, I'll ask you to sing it now here in the studio. We'll close today with this song. Must learn to read his face. 
face For he hasn't much to say But he carries round inside himself A knowledge he gives free If you look through not at his life A whole new world inside you'll see When a window is a mirror You see two ways at one time outside and see the land the mountains left to climb but also you can see inside your face suspended there behold your face and see your place and understand why you are here it's time I gaze upon this boy there's something moves inside I see my own deformities No longer need to hide And through his life I look upon my life A different way And the freedom that he gives for free Means so much more than I can say is a mirror, a listener song request that wraps up this hour together here in the studio. We hope you'll take a moment and pass along your reactions to this program. You can send your comments, questions, even song requests when you send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. We look forward to reading your email. Again, inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And we want to remind you to check out our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. Find an edition that fits your needs. And when you order, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. The Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. And we hope you'll join us for next week's podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.